welcome back to season two of Ashes with Ash. Michael Herklotz is here today telling his story from starting off being a drummer to working his way to the top with Davidoff, then Nat Sherman, and finally his own company, Ferriotego. I hope you all enjoy. Ecuador, Sumatra, but definitely like beefy yeah. of all of them. Supreme is all like Nicaragua, but it's creamy. Yeah. You know? I like the Supreme. This one's a little more how you doing. Let me try that one. Yeah. Thank you. What are you going to do? I'm going to do a prestige. It's like my Thanks. comfort food. Thank you. It's a serious setup. Oh my god. A lot. The cords are everywhere. These are kind of flimsy. Careful. So how long have you been doing this? A year. So next Saturday will be my one year anniversary. And how long have you been in the biz? In the cigar biz? Yeah. A few years. So my dad has a lounge in Virginia. They opened that in 2016 when I started working there. Lynchburg, Virginia. What store? Pap Cigar Company. No, no. No? Sold Nat Sherman. I don't know if they have your stuff now. Perhaps. You need to ask them. Pap Cigar Company. They have like 15,000 different cigars. Jeez. Yeah. It's big. So you worked there? Yeah, I worked there. Yeah, I guess that's when the start of it was. And then when I moved here, I actually worked in the veterinary field, ASPCA. What? Did you move? Why did you move here? Just because I wanted to. You just wanted to live in yeah. New York? Yeah, just wanted to do it. So I did it. That's great. When did you move? August 2019. So like right before the pandemic. Perfect timing. Fun stuff. Fun stuff. I'm kind of a loner anyway, so it worked great. out. It's great. Yeah, right. 2019, and then, but working for ASPCA. Yeah. Yeah, that's where I was working. That's where I had the most experience. So that was my goal, was to kind of work there and then work my way in back into cigars. And then I kind of forgot about it because of the pandemic, and they were taking such good care of us during it. But then I saw was hiring, and I was like, oh, yeah, that's why I came oh, here. great. <laughs> and so yeah, you left good. ASPCA entirely, yeah. or did you do, like, do some dabble No, stuff? I left it entirely. I was a manager, and I was so burnt out. Oh, my God. I was done. I never thought I'd be burnt out. I've always worked, like, three jobs. Yeah. But I couldn't handle it anymore. It's a lot. Couldn't do Especially it. Especially with all the shit. I mean, exactly. that timing. Oh, my God. It was Just handling life was a full-time job. Seriously. And then other people's lives? Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> Too much. Too much. That's great. So you started it. You started downtown? You got hired downtown? Yeah. Started downtown October. Great. Good stuff. I've actually never been to this store. No, really? Nice. It's funny. My, I'm trying to think when it opened, like 20... Fifteen? Yeah. Is that right? It's been open six years? Yeah. That was close, yeah. Fifteen, yeah, sixteen. Yeah. Sixteen, yeah. But by then it was like we were we were so crazy in our Nat Sherman life and then Alshu bought us in seventeen, so then it was just like bonkers. Yeah. I never I never made it down. It's shameful. Yeah. Sorry. Right. We'll I'm gonna get there today. Good. Our metros aren't in the system yet. 
But we have the time. Alright. You want me to start? I just like it to be casual conversation rather than like interviewing, you know? Great. Which one did you pick? I'm smoking the Prestige. Okay. Nice. And what's that one? So Prestige, I mean, if you go back to when Time was first launched, this was the first one I did, which was originally called Timeless Dominican. Um, and then we rebranded it as Prestige in 2018, but it's made in Dominican, wrappers Honduran, binders Dominican, fillers Dominican, and Nicaraguan. Nice. Six tobaccos, three countries. Wow. Mouthful That's amazing. Of fun. What's your favorite tobacco? Brown. That's a good answer. Yep. Not purple, not, not purple. pink. It's definitely Damn. not green. Brown. All right. <laughs> um, it really depends. It depends yeah. on. It depends on. Yeah. Well, it depends on what the um, what the goal is. And, you know, there are some tobaccos I really like, but are, I also really hate them because they're just horrible to work with, even though they're really fun to smoke. Um, what do you mean horrible to work with? Well, they're just are, are um, they're tricky to balance. So like. Um, is a Dominican tobacco or San Vicente actually both of those are Dominican tobaccos that are they can be delicious but they can also be brutal yeah um, the cigar you're smoking Pan Americana has Costa Rica Costa Rica by itself yeah. is disgusting but when you tweak it with other things it can really be interesting wow um, so it's not that I hate them it's just that you know they're just more Different. challenging yeah yeah okay like people right <laughs> Some that are a little more challenging. Yeah, some I don't want to be around. So how long have you been doing this? Been in the cigar biz? Which part of this? Cigar biz? Mm -hmm. um, I started in the spring of 1999. All right. And not Sherman? No, I was in Boston. Oh. Okay. And uh, I was going to music school at Berkeley College of Music. Oh, wow. And uh, the my second semester, I started. I smoked my first cigar in my first semester, and then um, really liked it and couldn't afford it. <laughs> so, like any good starving musician artist, I had to get a day job, and I got a job at a little kiosk in the Prudential Center Mall in Boston selling cigars. All right. So I started enjoying cigars in 1998, and then I started working in 1999. Cool. And How long did you work at that little kiosk? From um, 1999, May of 99, until uh, right before 9-11, funny enough, which was good because we were in a high-rise mall. Holy shit. So that caused some uh, problems. But we ended up closing it just before that, and there was another store, a very important store at the time in Boston called Gloucester Street Cigar Company. Mm -hmm. So then I went to work for Gloucester Street. I used to hang out there anyway um, for my last year in Boston, mm -hmm. and then I moved to New York in 2002, really with the intentions of being a drummer and a famous musician. Oh, wow. But I knew the manager at Davidoff Madison Avenue, who was a Boston guy. So when I moved, uh, I got hired at Madison Avenue, so I started working at Davidoff Madison Avenue as a sales guy. In, oh, cool. In 
May, June of 02. Wow. And then, you want me to keep going? Yes. Okay. Keep going. So, May, June 02, sales guy, Davidoff Madison. And then 2006, um, Davidoff bought the store in Columbus Circle. So, they moved me there as GM in 06. And then in 2008, the GM of Madison Avenue left, so they put me in charge of both. So I ran both stores from 2008 till 2011. Then we moved Madison Avenue from 54th Street to 53rd Street. And then um, I had actually given notice in March of whatever that was, 2011, uh-huh. but didn't leave until we finished moving the store. And then I left in May of 11 to join that Sherman and made the shared month, and then I think June was official start at Nat Sherman. And wow. then I ran Nat Sherman yeah. from 2011 until 2020. 2020. Yeah. We closed in 2020 uh. in COVID, and then I started my company, Ferry Otego, January of 2021. And here we are a month and a, a year and a month later. Nice. And now we're selling cigars and kicking ass and having fun. And Amazing. How's that for a story? That's a lot. It's a lot. You answered all my questions. Great. This was fun. <laughs> Thanks for having me. All right. See you. No, it's really, it's been a, it's been a while. That's crazy. I didn't know you worked at Davidoff. Yeah, almost oh 10 years. Holy shit. That's And so then I, when I left and started working for Nat Sherman, Davidoff Honduras, which is the Camacho factory, yeah. agro-industrious technically, made a cigar for Nat Sherman, our metropolitan host. Yeah. And so, like, literally the next day after I left Davidoff, I called JT, mm-hmm. who was working under for private label at the time. And my first day for Nat Sherman, I was calling the same guy I talked to the day before because he was my boy. JT yeah. and I have been friends forever. Dylan, we've been friends forever. So it was just kind of a seamless transition into yeah. the Nat Sherman world anyway, and I continued working with Davidoff for the next 10. Wow. So now come full circle, Ferry Otego, which is mine uh-huh. and my partner Brendan's, now we're distributed by Davidoff USA, and so right. the full sales force throughout the U.S. sells Ferry Otego along with, you know, Davidoff Camacho and Avo and right. Zeno. So now it's like incredibly full circle, weird, and yes. incestuously fabulous. That's amazing. Yeah. Oh my God. It's really cool. That's crazy. What was I going to say? I can't remember. Wait, let's go back. What was your first cigar? Do you remember? Yeah. Uh, it was at Cigar Masters in Boston on Newbury Street, and it was an Ashton Classic Panatella. Nice. My roommate at the time, this kid Chris Brown, uh, I had two roommates, Josh Smith and Chris Brown, which now that I think about it, like those both sound like witness protection <laughs> names. Yeah. Like those are the most... Pl- Chris Brown is a... What is he, a rapper? Oh yeah, there's a rapper too. Yeah. Not that one. This guy's a tall white guy from Pittsburgh. But yeah, I wouldn't be surprised fake. if he listens to this because he listens to everything and watches all the shows and uh, we've stayed in like close touch. Nice. Um, but it's all because of him. I smoked my first cigar with him. Ashton Classic Panatello is what he picked and then he let me try it. And um, and then I just explored from there. I remember it was nice. uh, after Ashton Classic there was a brand and this is the end of the cigar boom. There was a brand called Volta Bajo that was inexpensive and I could afford it. I used to smoke that and then Don Diego and then um, Baccarat. Oh yeah, Baccarat. Just like bananas. And then uh, Leon Jimenez was really nice back then, which is La Aurora's, it used to be La Aurora's main brand. Okay. Um, La Flor Dominicana, but back then Mm. they were really mild and... Oh really? Oh, super mild. 
Ashton, I really couldn't afford. Yeah. Uh, Griffins. And then away we go. That was also an interesting time. There were a lot of brands being made in Costa Rica at the time. Mm. Um, so Bahia and CAO were made in Costa Rica. Those were really popular. Yeah. All the Villazon brands were super popular back then. Punch, Hoy de Monterey, oh, Excaliburs. Punch. I forgot about Punch. Those were like the jam bomb diggity. The Punch Grand right? Crew number two was like, oh man, game changer. And yeah. it was a 52 ring gauge. It was like the fattest cigar money could buy at yeah. a 52. It was inexpensive too, right? The Grand Crew, I remember, was more expensive. Oh, but the okay. regular like Punch Rothschild was yeah. all day. That's crazy. So did you take over some of Nat Sherman's brand? Now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, um, when I joined Nat Sherman, my job was to kind of um, rebuild the premium cigar side. So mm-hmm. they were very successful in the cigarette business, um, but the cigar business had just kind of um, gotten quiet. So they hired me to sort of build back the cigar business as well as the store at that time. Um, And so the first project I did was Timeless and then um, helped clean up Metropolitan a little and bring that back to life. And then we launched a lot of brands after that. Um, So fast forward, as Nat Sherman went out of business, I formed Ferriotego and then we bought the brands that Nat Sherman used to own. So really, I'm, I'm continuing my work yeah. just without the Nat Sherman brand on it. Exactly. That's amazing. Do you have a favorite line? That's so hard. Yeah, I bet. It's like, you know, I mean, it, I can't pick which kid I like yeah, more, right? you know, I love more. <laughs> uh, but there is something very special about my first child. Right, exactly. And it's kind of the same. So Prestige technically was my first blend for Nat Sherman. Right. Uh, but what you're smoking, Pan Americana, I really, really... It's really good. That was one of the first blends I kind of created from scratch. Um, Sterling, I think, is... Incre- I love them all. I really yeah. love them all. And they all... They're all like a unique voice. It's like a song. You can't... Right. You know, you, 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 you write a song and it is what it is. It's its own thing. It's not competing with another song. It's just... It's a, it's a snapshot of a moment. And then you have to maintain that moment forever. Yeah. That's kind of how each one of these blends are. It's amazing. But it's a little weird because now, like, Ferriote goes brand new. Yeah. But, you know, Metropolitan goes back to the 90s. Right. So it's kind of an identity crisis. Like yeah, right. Balancing startup and brand new with propping up, right. you know, my 10 years of work with Nat Sherman and the 15 before me. Yeah. It's a little... Wild. So that's are great. the blends of the cigars different from when they were Nat Sherman? So that's a... I have to answer that. Being raised a good Christian boy, I cannot tell a lie. <laughs> so to be really accurate, yeah. the blends must be different because all the tobaccos changed. Right. So True. it's not like... You know, if you look at the work from... Just say 2011 when we started Timeless to when we went out of business. Those blends also changed and evolved, but they only changed and evolved like one tobacco at a time. 
Mm-hmm. So you only had to integrate and solve for one tobacco that was changing that had to be replaced. Yeah. And then, you know, that's a, a slightly easier task. But we didn't make cigars for two years almost. Oh, wow. Yeah. So when you restart, almost all the tobaccos are different, which means that the blends must change right. if we want the experience to be the same. So wow. the experience of these blends are the same because we had to re-blend to keep them the same. Right. But I don't like just saying yes because yeah. technically the blends aren't the same. Right. We had to do a lot of work to tweak them to keep the experiences the same. Exactly. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. So where are, are your cigars sold? Like how many states? Everywhere? So we have made incredible progress in a pretty short amount of time. Yeah. As Nat Sherman, um, we were in probably about 1,200 stores by the time we closed. Um, But now, uh, coming back into market with the support of Davidoff USA's team, Mm -hmm. um, we've been in market exactly like 15 weeks, 16 weeks, something like that, about three months. Five hundred stores. Wow, which is amazing. Yeah, I mean it's amazing. Period. But especially for the amount of time, that's not that's not startup time. So we're really really lucky. I I don't know if we're in every state, but we're we certainly will be soon. Oh yeah, definitely. And you know it's been it's been great to see the you know we're back in stores that we were historically successful in, but we're also in stores that we were never sold in under Nat Sherman International. So. And I say we, like that's also weird, right? Right, It's not we, but like we're in stores where Timeless and Metropolitan did well before, and we're in stores that never sold Timeless or Metropolitan in the past. Yeah. And then the Ferriotego brand itself, obviously, is brand new. That's making that made its debut in October. Yeah. So with the inaugural Elegancia and Generoso, and so those were, I mean, those sold out in a day. Yeah. It was awesome. It was Amazing. Oh my God. Would you ever buy the old Nat Sherman building? It was so pretty. It's beautiful. We, Nat Sherman never owned that building. Oh wow. It was a lease. Got it. Um, and so, as I understand it, I believe. We were still technically party to the lease as we went out of business, but I think that has officially transitioned back to the landlord. Um, I mean, truth be told, opening retail in New York City is profoundly challenging, and actually, the way the laws are written right now, it's illegal to open up a retail tobacco store in New York City. Yeah, like they won't give out any more tobacco license, right? right? It's so ridiculous. Um, So between that and the tax and the rent and the, you know, it was just, we were not destined, Ferry Otego was not destined to have retail in New York. Right. Um, But on a personal level, I mean, I spent 20 years of my career in retail, so I really do miss it. Yeah. You know. You like, like, selling? Well, I just, you know, having your finger on the pulse of industry yeah. is difficult just as a brand owner and manufacturing and distribution, but right. when you're walking into the heart of retail every day, especially on 42nd Street, uh-huh. you know, that's tough to describe. Right. Probably not unlike when you walk into a Davidoff store or Barclay Rex or whatever, um, yeah. but I will tell you, walking into that building, in that location, I've been in a lot of cigar stores all over the world. Right. There was nothing. Like the no, townhouse. Like yeah, it was incredible. Uh, and we really built it up. You yeah. know, I mean, 
um, it was relatively quiet when I got there, and it became the, the center of the industry by the time we shut it down. And we shut it down because we had to, not that we did anything wrong. The business was great. We were thriving. It was just a, unfortunately, a, and it was a corporate, you know, corporate decision way beyond our control. So we tried to sell it. We couldn't sell it because of the pandemic, and then the shit hit the fan, and... You know, I, I described it once, which sounds terrible, but I'll describe it again because it's kind of funny. Um, when I got hired, Nat, the Natural Cigar Piece had just celebrated its 80th anniversary uh-huh. in 2010. I joined in 2011 with the intent of trying to build it back, yeah. and we did. And so we celebrated its 85th anniversary, like, with a limited edition, and it was expensive, and we did parties all over the country, and it was, like, unbelievable thinking what we had done in those five years. And then from 2015 to 2020, we got bought by Altria. That had some challenges. We overcame those. We were kicking ass and taking names. And then Altria decided that the cigar business wasn't core. And so we had to try and go sell it, which we couldn't successfully do in the pandemic. So then we had to put it out of its misery when it was perfectly healthy. And so instead of letting a a sick 81-year-old gently pass, we had to assassinate a healthy 90-year-old. Right. It was a a very bizarre uh, period. God, that's sad. But one door closes. Exactly. Another opens, now look at you. And, you know, it gave us the opportunity. I mean, Altria was incredibly generous, giving us the opportunity to even explore buying it back. Um, we did buy it back, and now we're off Getting and back into it. Yeah, it's great. Oh, it's amazing. It's so, a pretty cool story. Yeah, right? Yeah, that's perfect. So what happened with music? Did you just fall in love with the cigar industry more? you still play? That's a good um, question. I don't really talk that much about music. Um, I'm a drummer. Uh I played pretty regularly um, until 06. Or I should say, I played with the intention of drumming being my plan A until 2006. Okay. And then in 06, when I got offered the Columbus Circle gig... I knew at that time I was definitely putting some chips into the cigar career basket. But at that point, I had done so many things. Like in 2004, um, I started doing all the Xenoplatinum events. So I was traveling all over the country doing these cigar events. Oh, my God. Um, I want to do that. It was so cool. Especially I was 24. Yeah. I mean, it was crazy. I was 24. I was single. It was like great. And I worked full-time at Madison still. So I used to work Wednesday through Sunday. And then I would usually, sometimes I would have to skip a Sunday. I would fly on either Saturday or Sunday. And then we did Monday night Xenoplatinum events all over the country. Oh, my God. And I'd fly home on Tuesday. And then I'd be back in the store on Wednesday and work till Sunday. It was awesome. I want to do that. It was awesome. Um, I wouldn't do it now, but it was awesome then. Um, But music was still the intention. And then, so I would take vacation and go on tour and do, you know, play all kinds of craziness all over the place. But 06 was definitely kind of moving chips in the cigar career. Right. And then 08, when I took both stores, that was definitely, you know, moving towards the cigar direction. Um, Plus by then, 
I was dating my soon, my then-to-be wife, a girlfriend at the time, mm-hmm. who was a civilian. Like, she wasn't a cigar person. Right. So, like, she worked a real job that was yeah. off on the weekends, you know? So then I started taking weekends off and working Monday Good. through Friday. And yeah. So then, you know, like, as life kind of evolved, and I, you know, my whole um, mentality through all of this was just, I'm not going to say no. There's a compelling opportunity. I'm going to say yes and figure out how to make it work. And so I did that music and cigars really even into Nat Sherman world, 2011, but not, by the time I got to Nat Sherman, then it was really like, my chips are in the cigar world. I just want to keep my toe in music. So I still played, you know, maybe every other month I would do a gig. Um, Then I got married. I got married before I moved. Then we got, you know, we got a house or an apartment and we had kids and then it was like, you know, at this point in my life, I don't want to load my Honda with fucking drums and drive to the Bowery and set my shit up at 11 o'clock and my kids are home and like, that sounds terrible. Seriously. So now I'm like, one one gig a year, two gigs a year. They're usually like big charity gigs and Broadway stuff. They're very cool gigs. Okay. Um, But certainly less. And I'm alright with it. You know? I wanted to be a drummer because it was my favorite thing to do. Yeah. And then cigars kind of became my other favorite thing to do. Right. And as long as I'm doing my favorite thing to do... You're good. Why not? That's yeah, right? Sticks. Still sticks. <laughs> just not drumsticks. <laughs> tobacco sticks. That's true. Oh, that's true. I've wanted to play the drums, but like, where do I put them in New York? <laughs> Tell me about it. Where do you go? What do I do? I can't rent the space. Some, you can. But I can't afford to rent the space. That's what I mean. But you, there are like places, um, like SIR Studios. Yeah. They've got like little practice rooms with drums ah. sets and you can rent them. I mean, you oh, could. Shit. I don't know if you can do that. Okay. Post-COVID, I assume we yeah. still have it. Oh. Yeah, you rent the studio for an hour. And yeah. You teach me? <laughs> I gotta reteach myself first. Yeah, right? Oh, I want to. I feel like it would help with my anger issues, you know? <laughs> drums is great. Well, any discipline is great. Yeah, I mean, right? Drums is the same as chess or what you know anything that takes some level of intellect and coordination and and attention right you know you don't just have to like throw axes and and smash things to relieve stress I think it does sound fun (laughs) but for me just finding something that I can dedicate my attention to that's not the thing that I'm stressed about or stressed about is cathartic you know very Totally. Which I tend to now put a lot of attention towards what I'm smoking and drinking. Because exactly. I find that it's not only cathartic, but brings me tremendous joy. Exactly. Same here. Yeah. Do you have a favorite combo? Like, what's your go-to pairing? I'm obsessed with Dalmore right now. Mm. So I love Dalmore. One of my favorite cigars is the... Buena Ventura by Curavari. Yeah. Praline. So the Nicaraguan binder and filler, San Andreas wrapper, really bold. And I love it with Downmore. Which Downmore? So I love the cigar blend, but that one's a little expensive. But the I don't 12 like it year. better than the 12. I know. The 12, I the 12 is so good. Is, yeah. That's what I had last night. I had four. Well done. <laughs> Now, when you say you four, a pipe. see, this is a subjective. Yeah. Four of what 
of what magnitude? Neat. Of course, but like, are you measuring like a two ounce pour four times, or are you just glug glug glugging four times? Yeah, I don't know. I had four glasses. <laughs> I don't oh, know. you ordered? Were you out? Yeah, I was out. Oh, I was got out. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was at Soho Cigar Bar. Very good. They just brought in Ferry Otego, by the way. Oh, good. How exciting. Oh, nice. They need to redo their menu. I didn't see that. I don't think it's landed yet. I think okay. they just put their order in. Cool. But, yeah. So Hello, it's, Soho. And, you know, we, as Soho never sold Timeless and Metropolitan. Barclay Rex never sold Timeless and Metropolitan. Yeah. Davidoff sold some Timeless. Yeah. Um, but it's just so, and personally, it's like so rewarding because this is the first time in 20 years I don't have a connection to New York City. Yeah. I mean, it's been my whole identity. Right. And I got nothing. So wow. now to have all, I think every real store in New York City yeah. sells Ferry Otego. Yeah. That's a pretty... It's so pretty cool, cool to see. Feeling. Yeah. It's a pretty cool feeling. Do you have a favorite spot in New York City? I, so I, my first love was Club Macanudo. When I yes. first moved, Club Mac was the spot. But yeah. when I moved, you could still smoke everywhere. Right. So you could smoke in steakhouses and you could oh, smoke shit. in, you know, all Sounds these amazing, amazing places. Right. So there was, there was this incredible cigar culture in New York. Yeah. At the end of the 90s, yeah. early 2000s. Um, then that went away, I guess, in 03. The law went into effect. So then, like, Club Mac was bumping. Oh, yeah, I bet. Um, but then when I moved to Columbus Circle in 06, um, I got very close with Carnegie Club. Love Carnegie. They were kind of like buying from a distributor, and they were trying to buy here or there. And so we ended up setting them up as a, as a store account. Yeah. And we exclusively supplied them. So then we started doing events there, and we were like all kinds of programming. So Carnegie really became like my second yeah. home. Um, Probably up until I left and went to Nat Sherman. Yeah. And then once I got to Nat Sherman, honestly, I really didn't go anywhere. Yeah. I mean, I'd say for, from 2011 to 2020, if I went out to, like, a cigar venue once a year, that was probably a lot. Wow. Holy shit. Because then by then, like, I had the venue. It was my office. Right. Like, why You're would I go out? smoking all the time. Yeah. yeah. I had people over. Exactly, yeah. And then I moved, you know, by the end, I moved to Jersey and... You know, I just wanted to get home by that point. I was right. like, enough stuff. Smoked all day. And yeah. So maybe once or twice a year, I would like go to a cigar bar. Right. You know, but otherwise, I really don't do it. Yeah. In fact, only now recently, I've started. Since I moved to Jersey, I started like socially going to cigar places as a consumer. It's like. Again, I'm filled with identity crisis like the, the, the last like year and a half, two years. But it's been fun now, like finding a way to return to being almost a consumer. Yeah. You know, uh, just sit, order a drink, and smoke a cigar like everybody else. You know, 
Uh, it's been nice. Beautiful. But I still, Club Mac is great, and yeah. Carnegie Club is great, and I'm yeah. going to be there tomorrow night for this event, which I'm really looking forward to. With, I will um, be there, too. Are you going? Yep. Of course. It's going to be great. And yeah, I'm really too, excited. I got a whole crew, actually, coming from um, Jersey. Oh, good. A bunch of my dad buddies. Um, some work in the city, some work in remote, and they heard that I was doing this event, and I'd be a dad text thread. There's like 15 dads coming in from Jersey, nice. so I rented a bus to go home. So oh we're all God. meeting in the city, and then we're all going to go home together. That's so good. Um, but it's, it's really... Uh, it's fun now that it's I mean now that we're just in business right because honestly 21 was brutal yeah I bet I've oh, spent shit. my whole life just making shit happen yeah and 2021 was waiting yes like once we God. ordered everything and it was done and all the hard work was done and the orders were in and there was literally nothing to do but wait for aging and wait for paint to dry on boxes it was just waiting God. and waiting and waiting it was torture but now we have inventory we have boots on the ground we have product in humidors and now we're selling and kicking ass and that feels a hell of a lot better than waiting seriously God what a slow weird time the a, past couple years it was a very weird time Jeez. but the other thing was we announced um, that we were closing Matt Sherman in July of 2020. Yeah. So I had to come to work, which was awesome. Yeah. Because then it was like I wasn't sitting at home bored doing Zoom calls. Right. I was like working my ass off from July 2020 through the end of the year, which is when everyone else was home, you know, crying into their morning cocktail. I was busy. I was coming into the city and it was like it was that was almost therapeutic right then we finally closed in November then it was the holidays and I was happy to be home and then January 21 we started the ferio work and even though yeah. it was like some waiting at least I was home and I could be focused and it was exciting right. and so the, the pandemic as terrible as it's been yeah has actually I've been really busy throughout it yeah I've I've benefited been, from it yeah yeah kind of yeah wasn't fun right and I had it early that wasn't right. fun either but, yeah. you know, here we are, two years almost exactly right. from when we started this ridiculousness. Yeah, I was lucky enough to work through the pandemic, too. I would have gone crazy. For a while, we were the, all the managers were taking turns. Like, we'd work a few days from home, and then a few days on site, we'd take turns. I couldn't handle it. I was like, I'm the on-site manager. Yeah. I don't like working from home. I can't yeah. do it. That's it's, why even working in retail now, it's slow for me. I'm not used to it. It's, I get, it depends, I think, yeah. where you are. I mean, what, living with my family and being in New Jersey in a house, that was a very different quarantine experience than had we still been living in Astoria with four of us in an apartment. That would have been different. Um, I have a lot of friends that are single in New York. Their quarantine experience was very different. Yeah. So, you know, I'm sure it's very different for everyone, but, you know, I'm certainly lucky 
that things happen when they happen, how they happen. Yes. And uh, so good. Away we go, you know. How was the TPE? It was great. Good. It was. I this, I am, I couldn't be more confident in my durable immunity from COVID. Yes. You never got it. Have well, I got it. March of 2020. Me too. I got the OG COVID. You got nice. the OG? Yep, well I done. sure did. Um, so I feel like that's some really good yeah. antibody. The originals, the original exactly. variety. Yes. Like that's some limited edition shit. Yeah. And I think it sticks around. So between that and the shots, I don't think there's anything that can live. Right. And uh, the best way to test that is three days in Las Vegas with the cigar industry. There you go, right? Because there is a 100% probability yeah. that I was covered in COVID. Yeah, you had to be. For sure. Yeah. In my nose, Everybody. in my throat, completely covered. Yeah. Smelled like cigars, but it was actually COVID. Yeah. And uh, I came home and made sure I tested kind of regularly. Yeah. And uh, nothing. So I'm so excited. I think alcohol and cigars help. It must. (laughs) It didn't help the first time, though. But I guess that was some hard shit. Yeah, right. God, I thought I was going to die. Did you? I wasn't that sick. Oh, I was so sick. I got, uh, I had the no taste and smell, which was. See, I didn't get that. That was terrifying. That was weird. But I also couldn't eat for eight days straight. So I don't know if I got the smell and taste. It was also the best diet I've ever been on. Holy shit, yeah. Did you long haul? Did I what? Long haul? Did you, or was it like nine days and done? It was, so it was eight days straight where I felt like death. I was freezing. I just did NyQuil day and night. It was horrible. And then for like a week or two after, I felt a little weird. But for months after, I still felt weird. Just, I don't even know how to explain it. Yeah. Just I was, off. I was like nine days exact. Yeah. No taste, smell, cold, and paralyzing anxiety thinking I was going to die. Right. And then, uh, and then I was good. That was like March 2020. And then May, my ankles swelled. What? Like crazy. Oh my God. I'm, I'm a skinny dude. Like my ankles are like most people's wrists. You know what I mean? And it was like I had just a straight tube from my knee to my foot. What? And then it happened on the other one. And then it was it lasted for almost two months. Oh my God. And I went to every doctor you could think of and they were like, we don't know what this is. We know it's COVID. Related, but we don't know that. what to do. Yeah, and they think, Holy shit. I don't understand it exactly, but yeah. it has something to do with just that COVID in general. At least the OG one kind of like deteriorated muscles' ability to hold things in place, and depending on oh. what area was affected, it would weaken the ability to hold. And so, for whatever reason, my post-COVID disaster was my vascular system in my legs. Shit. Yeah. But it's crazy. I had compression socks. Yeah. Like old man black <laughs> compression socks. I literally looked like my grandfather before he died. In shorts, <laughs> black compression socks up to my knees, yeah. shuffling around like a little skinny old man. He's <laughs> great. Oh my god, it's hilarious. You know, I've been there for a long time. I don't know how long it's been, but probably since I had COVID. My, I keep getting like cramps in my calf. I wonder if that's it. Who knows? Who knows? I know. That's None of thing. us know. Like at least we back don't then, know what's going I appreciated on. the fact that the doctors were honest. Right. So they were like, no idea. Yeah. We like don't when know. I first, I telemedicine to my doctor. I'm like, I have no taste and smell, and I have a cold. He's like, you have COVID. 
I'm like, there's no way I could have gotten COVID and go anywhere. And my doctor was like, then you don't have COVID. <laughs> like, what do you, I don't know what to tell you, you know? I can't see you. I don't know. So assume you have COVID unless yeah. you don't want to have it. And then tell yourself you don't have it, but I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. Okay. And then two months later, my ankles are swollen. Why? No idea. Every test was fine. All my levels were fine. All my ultrasounds were fine. Oh, my God. Why are my ankles swollen? No idea. But it's COVID. But why? No clue. Okay, I'll take that. Just blame everything on COVID. Yeah. It's pretty weird that the flu didn't exist anymore. It doesn't. Yeah, I, you I mean, know it's what? really confusing to me. Once once we start spiraling down this whole like what exists, what doesn't, where did this go, where did that go, you know, I start getting real angry. Yeah. I'm not a conspiracy like dude. It. But something's I, I'm, I'm a drummer. Mm-hmm. I'm not a math major. I'm not a scientist. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a <laughs> economist. Right. I'm a drummer. Right. But I'm smart enough to know that two plus two equals four. Uh huh. I'm smart enough to like run a business and kind of put things together and figure things out. There's something about the entirety of the last two years that I just can't put together. Yeah. I think we're but all I don't think we're going to be able to. Yeah. <laughs> so I just want to be able to move on. Yeah, I'm just going to forget it. To. No. Like, no desire to get back to 2019. No. Nope. I'm just ready for 22 and 23 and 24, and let's just keep going forward and... Here we go. And move on. We're doing it. And kick some ass and smoke some cigars and sell Ferio Tego. What Sounds else is perfect. There? Yeah. That's the life. That's the life. It's my life. How's that pan in? It's amazing. I love it. Cool blend, right? Yeah. This and the Supreme. These are my new favorites. Sterling is up there for me. I mean, yeah, I, I need to try that one. Sterling is smoking Chardonnay. Ooh. It's creamy and buttery, but the body Ooh. is so big. And if you, if anyone smoked the um, 2021 Elegancia for Ferro Tego, that was a, a tweak and development off of the Sterling blend. Yeah. But it's, you know, I love, I love wine. I love red wine. I drink mostly red wine, but I love finding a white that makes me say to myself, fuck, I want to drink more white. And it's usually either bone crisp delicious Mm -hmm. or it is as big as red, but creamy and smooth and not like over oaked, just beautiful expression of what it is and that's sterling and it's definitely elegancia amazing so you like to pair with wine well i love drinking wine so by default i typically pair with wine Um, but i do believe that pairing is more effective in the true sense of the word pairing pairing is more effective with low alcohol drinks oh because you you're still permitted to taste the other thing high alcohol is astringent and evaporative and dominates and replaces whatever flavor was there before. Right. Like, I don't know if you've ever been to, like, a a whiskey dinner, but, like, to me, whiskey dinners... They're a little much, yeah. which is why a lot of whiskey dinners serve wine at the main course. Like at right. least showcase the main course, showcase the whiskey after. For me, a sip of whiskey or rum or whatever it is will overpower the subtleties of cigars. So true. Yeah. But if I'm not pairing and I'm just hanging out and enjoying and it's Friday night, great all smoke. day. Yeah. 
but if we're actually pairing pairing, I think wines are the best to pair with. Beers are also close. Yeah. And then you can play with, you know, other spirits and whether you reduce the spirit, dilute the spirit, or find other ways to pair. Yeah. Um, but just, you know, straight whiskey, I love. Yeah. But to use the word pairing, then it suggests that it must, it must create new balance together. Right. Separate and apart from the individual balance that each thing has. Yeah. And to me, wine is the best thing to achieve that. Do you have a favorite pairing? The one that I'm having the moment you ask. Nice. Water? That's an unfortunate <laughs> pairing. Um, my favorite pairing. No, I don't. Um, but there is, I do a pairing often. Um, and I've done it since my Davidoff days. So yeah. at Davidoff, I did it with a Davidoff Grand Cru. Um, Ooh, yeah. Matt Sherman, we've done it with Sterling. Because um, they're kind of similar pedigree of blends. Mm-hmm. But that style cigar with an Alsatian Riesling Ooh. is an unbelievable combination that tends to, when you present it to people, um, leads with immediate skepticism and bias. Yeah. And then usually after sip and puff is met with like life-changing, you know, eye-opening oh awareness. I need to try that. Alsatian, Friesland, and Sterling. Wow. Life will never be the same. You have to help me pair tonight at Carnegie. Oh, wait. They're having liquor. Right? Tomorrow night. We're Tomorrow having, night. Uh, oh, sorry. Yes. I don't know what day it is. Woodenville whiskeys. Okay. Which we're pairing with Supreme. Nice. Man, I want to try wine. Like, white wine. I don't usually drink white wine. So, so I don't even think about it. So good. With the sterling, you think? So good. But that's also like a, that's a hand-in-glove pairing. Right. So that's like... Red meat, Cabernet, beautiful fish, and, uh, you know, Chablis. Right. Makes sense. But you could also have fun filling in the gaps and picking, like, that Pan Americana. Yeah. We've done that blend with a lighter, um, like, classic Speyside or Highland scotch. But personally, I'm not a big fan of, like, the crazy peaty, smoky, uh, iodiny scotches. I don't like peat. But that blend, Panamericana, with Lefroig, oh. which Lefroig by itself, it's just, you know, I feel like I'm drinking a Band-Aid. Yeah. Yes. But then you take a puff, and then you take another sip, and it literally changes the way your palate receives the whiskey. Wow. And not to say it's palatable, because lots of people like that, but for yeah, people yeah. who don't like it, it's an amazing pair. And that's one that you wouldn't wow. think would go together. Yeah. But it really does. What do you look for to pair? Do you look for certain tobaccos to go with certain blends of... No, my rule for pairing is I start with the thing that I know the least about and have the least of. Oh, yeah. Which is typically the beverage. Yeah. Um, because I will always have more inventory available on the cigar side to pick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I will taste whatever the spirit or the food or whatever is first. Yeah. And then analyze it and consider what does it have and more importantly what is it lacking and then go into the sort of mental Rolodex of blends and cigars and figure out what can 
what can fill in the blanks here yeah. and compete on a body level and then fill in the blanks on a flavor and texture level uh-huh. and then create new balance. Wow. It's intense. Yeah, we got to do it. Yeah. We should do a podcast. <laughs> we should. I should start a podcast. You should do a podcast. I really you think know, we should. I think I will. Wow. Fun, right? It's a lot. Yeah. It's amazing. Do you I'm have a favorite? Not smoking enough. Oh yeah. You have to keep relighting. Do you have a favorite cigar? Not Ferri Otego. It's funny you say that. <laughs> Cigars for me, at least out of outside of the blends, now that I make and sell. I, it's not that I have favorite cigars anymore, but I have favorite cigar moments. Like it's ah. it's very tied to a moment and a memory and a place and a person. It's not yes. just like so a true. blend. So I've got blends that are my favorites, but it's probably because it's tied to something meaningful. So like a Davidoff Classic Number Two. Mm-hmm. I love that cigar. But I love it because it, it reminds me of like my early Davidoff days. It reminds me of being a consumer. I remember the first time I bought one and I could afford it. Yeah. You know, that was such an important moment that it's made that cigar special. Yeah. Um, there's a La Flor Dominicana. I don't even think you can buy it anymore. But the, the La Flor Dominicana 2000 series, it was called Original Box Pressed. Wow. Is that one of the lighter ones? It was, at the time, it was one of the fullest ones. Um, and now they have, it's the one actually, um, they still make it in what's called the number three or the number four. It's the one that Lido smokes all the time and Tony, his son, smokes all the time. It's a little box press like Corona Petit Corona. But that blend was in a number one, um, which was like a Lonsdale. And I have that like burned in my memory, but I bought it for my 21st birthday and I remember I had enough money to buy this blend and so that nice. one stays close to me. Some of the Davidoff Limiteds, like the, early, the first Limiteds I sold were the Avo 22, Special 48, Special 53 in 2002. Those blends in my mind were so incredible. I don't know if I, if I smoked it today, if I'd agree. Yeah. If I smoked it new. I don't know if it was time and place. Right. But those really stand out to me as like really special blends. Um, Do you have a favorite moment? Um, most one meaningful? Of, one of my most favorite um I had met Avo a handful of times, but we were at Club Macanudo one night, and um, he was kind of like blowing me off, which was weird, because it was just me and the manager of Davidoff at the time. But I get it. I was like 22, 23. It was probably weird. You know, he was 80, almost 80. Um, And so he just... It was a very weird dynamic, and then um, I think it was David, who was the GM at the time, told Avo that I was a drummer, and then we started talking about music, and then he moved, he came to the States as a musician, I went to music school, he went to music school, ah. and then we had this whole incredible like music conversation while smoking an Avo 22, Wow! and that changed my life forever. I mean, then I got very close with Avo, and we did all these dinners with Avo, and... Ah. Um, so, like, cigar moment-wise, that Avo moment was really pivotal. Yeah. Amazing. There's a handful of those, you know. What's your favorite Avo? I've just been starting to get into Avo and trying them all. See, this is, again, time and place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. True, true. 
I would say Avo Classic number two. Uh huh. But that's because that was like in the nineties. That was the that was the cigar. I mean, right. The Avo Classic number two was just that was sexy, it. silky, herbal deliciousness. Yeah. So there's something about that cigar that still stays, you know, in my memory. Yeah. Um, I like the. I don't remember if they still make the domain, the Avo yes. Domain Delicious. I was just about to say that. I had a domain the other day, but that got me thinking. I was, like, walking down the street in my old neighborhood. There was snow on the ground, and I was just, like, in love with this cigar. Yeah. But it totally could have been the moment, too. A little mixture. It's all about the moment. I mean, it's... Yeah, so true. You can smoke the same cigar every day, and your moment with that cigar is going to be different. Yeah. Every moment, it's like you you will never get it back. Yeah. That This moment right here, we're going to end on that recording, and we may smoke the same cigar again tomorrow. Right. But Tastes totally different. The, everything about it is different. Wow. That's really cool. Yeah, it's wild. Boy, cigars are great. Like you're, yeah. You're... You know, embodying a, mem- a, a memory, and when it's out, it's over, and so is the memory, and you moved on. Yeah. I want to create a new one. Therapeutic. That's so cool. We're at 50 minutes. Are you okay? Yeah. You got time? Yeah. Cool. I'm out of I don't questions, know if your though. Listeners do. <laughs> I know. Like, I have so many episodes oh that are like really long, and everyone's like, it's too long. I don't care. It's my podcast. Listen to the rest later. <laughs> yeah. What time is it? I need to get to Brookfield. Yeah. Okay, cool. We'll do 10 more. Hit me with a couple good ones. Uh oh. Pressure's on. You answered everything. What's like, as you've you've interviewed Mm -hmm. different people, different walks, different whatevers, what's been like, is there a common thread? Is there one thing that kind of connects everyone? Because you've interviewed a lot of different people from a lot of different areas of business, consumers, bloggers, whatever. Yeah. Like, what has been the commonality for you? Yeah, I guess, I mean, podcast-wise, everyone's always really nervous, and they think it's going to be like an interview, and it turns out to just be a conversation, that's why some of my episodes are so long, because we just get into it, and we're just talking, and it's been so much fun, and we're just smoking, you know, that's the moment. <laughs> that's Do most the people moment. listen to your podcast smoking, do you think? I hope so. I think so. Like, the few people that usually comment on the podcast and everything, they say, they were smoking this, they were smoking this while they were listening. So I hope so. I mean, maybe everyone but my mom. Do you listen to a lot of other podcasts? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not a lot of cigar podcasts. I listen to Cigar Talk Rob. He's, He's amazing. He's amazing. I love what he does, and I just met him finally for the first time on TV. Yes. But, you know, the industry's changed so much. Like, when I started, the only, the only place to learn anything was inside a store. Right. From someone who worked in the business. Yeah. That was it. And then maybe to a degree, Cigar Aficionado. Um, but, you know, now you've got all these different platforms and all these different people who are very passionate. Yeah. Who are creating platforms that share different content. And it's, you know, but from now from my side, it's almost overwhelming because you can't do all of them. Right. But you also, like, you know, I knew I used to be able to walk into a store and 50 people would be there and I would do an event with 50 people and then I knew that I at 
activated 50 people to go do something. Yeah. But now, like, you have no idea where it goes. Yeah. And you don't know how many people, and you don't know, you know, it's just like, you just put it out there and hope that it's good enough and resonates with people. Right. And it's, it's a very bizarre, it's a very bizarre thing. Cause yeah. Like, you and I have, have, um... An energy of our conversation, right? So right. it feels great. Yeah. But then, like, does it feel good to someone like walking their dog or like stuck right. in traffic, like I just was? Yeah. Or exactly. do they want to like, you know, drive into a telephone pole? Right. <laughs> but it's it's uh, it's been interesting to see this all evolve. Yeah. Over my career, and um, and at least be young enough to follow along and track. You know, it's right. probably been difficult for people who have been, you know, if you're 20 years older than me or 30 years older than me, I'm 41 now, but I feel lucky I started when I was 19 because yeah. I've been able to kind of like grow and track at the same time. Exactly. But I have to imagine it's been tricky for people who are 40 when I started and now they're in their 60s and 70s trying to figure out, you know, who, who am I talking to? Right. You know, it's got to be weird. Yeah. Um, but I, as a, now a middle-aged cigar guy um, I think that the community of podcasts and blogs and mm-hmm. you know whether you consider yourself cigar media or I don't even know what it's considered I think it's awesome and the yeah. fact that you all, you guys all do it right for me there's there's a common thread of just like real drive and passion yes and I think sometimes that drive and passion is lost among people who have made this their career. Right. But the fact that you've got this drive and passion of consumers, which has always existed, now consumers are empowered to create platforms to share this info. Right. It's pretty rad. Yeah. It's really, really cool. Exactly. That's what I, I love the other cigar podcasts because they give a lot of information. They do reviews, but I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to like review cigars on mine. I want to just talk. That's my favorite part about a cigar lounge. You just well, that's have it. conversation. And I think that's what's cool about this is, is it's almost like, although they can't participate, you know, when, when you're in a lounge, you, you do tend to listen to other conversations yeah. and see, you know, what's going on and maybe chime in a little, think about what other people are talking about. Right. And that's, that is what this is. I think it's, uh, I think it's really, really cool. And this Thanks. place is great. I know. But isn't I it beautiful? My, and they had a downstairs lounge, too. I think they're, like, renovating it, though. But they have, they like, said. three lounges, three places you they can smoke. I love uh, it here. They said it was flooded or something downstairs, but this is yeah. a beautiful store. Isn't and it? Were, you know, the, is this your first time here? It's my first time here, but Good. you got to think, like, I mean, you talk about commitment to industry. This is a three-level building downtown Manhattan. Mm-hmm. That is not an easy thing to maintain. Right. At any point. Yeah. Never mind maintain it through a pandemic when oh my people God. are working remote. I mean, oh, my God. Insane. But Especially how big this place are. is. Yeah. It's, it's really admirable. admirable. Yeah. And it's this, great that they let you do this here, established, too. Yeah, exactly. They've been established since 1906. One of the first places I bought a cigar in New York was Barclay Rex. Nice, yeah. When it was on um, Broad Street. And they had had three or four when I moved. Yeah. There was one on Lexington. There was one on 42nd Street. Mm -hmm. They had Broad Street. Um, My buddy Ike used to work here. I worked at Madison. He worked at Barclay Rex. Oh, cool. We used to fight and compete, and then we became, like, best buds. Yeah. Yeah. 
but yeah, this is this is no joke. This yeah. is a real deal New York institution. I mean, Nat Sherman was 1930. Yeah. This predates Nat Sherman by almost 30 years. Yeah, it's crazy. And it's woman run. Yeah. That's the best. Also awesome. The best, the best. Also awesome. Listen, women are a very important part of this industry. That's not yes. new. You know, I, right. I think it's great that other industries are becoming woke. Cigar business has been woke a long time. Yes. Without women, there would be no cigars, period, full stop. And the story so since the beginning true. of time. So true. And there's also not just dependence and admiration for the role women play, it, but it's like profound admiration and reverence for the role women play in the cigar industry. Yes. Always. Yeah. And there are companies, of course, that are that are women-run, women-owned, but even just the, the work women do in the factories mm-hmm. is the hardest work. Totally. Like, sure, moving bales is hard, and that's not usually done by women. Right. But sorting, oh, um, yeah. stripping, but not stripping, you know, you know stripping. <laughs> um, you know, it is really some of the most essential work yeah. to make premium cigars premium. Yeah. That work is only entrusted to women. Yes. Yeah. I've read that the, especially the end result, women, they check the consistency in the colors of each box because tell you a funny story. they have a better eye for color. I complained when we first launched the Timeless in 2011, 2012, I thought that the color range in the box was a little off. Yeah. And so I went down to Dominican and I was explaining what my concern was and the Casadas, who were like my family, looked at me like I had three heads. <laughs> and I'm like, but look at these cigars. Like these are these really are different. And Manolo has got this really deep voice and it sounds like he's from Texas. He goes, son, come with me. And we walked into the um, packing area. There's this huge table with like a little horseshoe cut out and you lay out like, you know, 500 cigars and then you sort by color. Yeah. And he goes, starts speaking in Spanish to the lady and tells her to get out of the way and that I'm going to now do this. And I've been going to this factory for years and all the, everyone looks over at me now, gringo boy, <laughs> standing at this table to sort cigars. So he goes, why don't you sort three boxes that you think would meet the standard. Okay. So I started making my piles and doing it and doing it and I started getting hot, like, you know, like that hot, like you're going to pass out, like you start sweating in the back of your neck and Uh like anxiety hot. I started getting that and I was like, oh my God, these all look the same. Oh my God. Like I can't, I have no idea what I'm doing. So I like, in probably 30 minutes, I put these three boxes together. He was like, okay, we're going to band your three boxes. We'll band them, put them in boxes, and then you can look at them, and then we'll do our three, and you can compare, see which one is which. We're not going to tell you which one is which. Okay, great. They whip out their three in like 10 seconds. Oh, my God. Right? Perfect. They blind me on the boxes, and obviously mine were total garbage. Wow. looked like a box of crayons. <laughs> Hers were perfect. And I said, you know what? My apologies. You do what you do best. Yeah. I will do what I do best. And message received. Understood. Thank That's you very much. That's so funny. Yeah, but apparently women have a different eye for colors. Colors on the cigars, color and sorting for shade. Yeah. So, you, I mean, every leaf looks the same to us. Yeah. And they look at each one and make six different piles with six different shades of brown. Uh, it's nuts. Absolutely nuts. It's so funny different it is but 
women are undoubtedly the backbone of the premium cigar business in every step. For sure. With the exception of moving bales. Yeah. And probably moving the fermentation piles. Right, right. I don't see many women there. Yeah. But otherwise... Man, I would love to be in the field, like, planting the seeds. I would love If I mean, I would encourage everyone, if you've never been to a cigar manufacturing country, you need to go and go see a factory and go see the fields and don't think, you know, there's this endless rush to be an expert and it's exhausting, and, but it's in every business, right? right? So true. Um, you start drinking whiskey, then you buy a lot of whiskey, then you go to a whiskey tasting, you visit a distillery, you start a podcast and you're an expert. Yeah. And that's just... No, it's ridiculous. a forever learning industry. And it changes. I've been in the business 22 years, and I don't even claim to, to have any level of expertise when compared to the people who have come before me and all that. You know, right. it's way too much. No. Yeah. Um, but, so just for the purposes of dipping your toe and peeling one layer of onion off factory and you need to go to a field and you can see a lot now there wasn't a lot of content when I started so you had to go now there's a lot on YouTube or whatever yeah yeah Um, that's true but you need to hear it and see it and smell it and feel it and walk it and you know it's a it's a profoundly humbling thing yeah see I did the tobacconist university the cigar sommelier certificate I can't tell you a single thing I learned honestly except don't throw the lighter at the customer probably (laughs) a good point said that it's really funny I'll tell you I what I appreciate remember. about Tobacco's University yeah. um, is they get really into the theory and the history, yes. which I appreciate. I love that. He was also the first to do it, yeah. which I appreciate, and no one else has done it better. Yeah. So you don't have the right to criticize right. a man's work when he put everything into it, he self-funded it, right. and then no one has bothered you know, if you complain about it, well, then go make it better, and you haven't. Right. And he was a real guy. He's got real stores. He put in the time. He visited factories. Yes. So I have a lot of respect for Jorge and what he did for Tobacco right. University. And you have the book still. Like, I still have the book, so I can go back. Absolutely. And, and I think reference. it's a great reference. So good. But there's only so much you can learn from a book. Exactly. And now, you know, now there is online content, but you got to go. And I've been... Right, yeah. Like... No exaggeration. I've been in factory probably hundreds of times. Maybe a thousand. I couldn't tell you how many wow. times I've like how many days I've actually spent in cigar factories at this point. And still, you know, I I'm maybe two or three layers down a handful of onions. Yeah. But you know, nowhere near, especially when you talk to the individual experts of their departments. Yeah. You know, you go talk to the person that runs the box factory. Yeah. That's a whole onion by itself. Yeah. You know, stripping, that's a whole onion by itself. Sorting, whole onion by itself. Then never mind fields. Each field is its own onion. Oh my and God, then even yeah. in the field, the curing barn in the field is an independent and separate onion. Yeah. And the same with the greenhouse doing the seedlings before they even go to the field. Right. That's its own onion. And the soil, before you even put the fucking seedling in the ground, yeah. just maintaining the soil with no tobacco is its own onion. Yes. Uh, 
It's bonkers. so beautiful. Yes. It's an art. It's totally an art. It really is amazing. And I think, you know, the more people can experience that, particularly those people who don't enjoy cigars. Yeah. But could just have some insight and access to that. Yes. Hopefully that type of um, insight and realization would help people realize that this is not, a premium cigar is not two minutes outside of an office with a coffee. Yeah. It's not the same thing. Exactly. It's completely and totally different. Right. And most of the people who criticize this have a like hobby. Right. Whether they geek out about coffee, uh-huh. whether they geek out about wine, they geek out about their food, and whether it's organic and all natural and where it comes from, they yeah. have the same appreciation for what they're passionate about. Right. Exactly. As we do about this. Yeah. And there's more to premium cigars than a lot of exactly. than their organic produce. Although maybe I'm naive and haven't gone peeled that onion. So yeah, maybe. Particularly if it's an organic onion. <laughs> um, but you know, I just wish everyone would would have a touch more tolerance yes. and openness. Just period. Exactly. Never mind about cigars. Just period. Exactly. That's let's start the always... podcast with that. Can we start right. over? Let's just start. All right. Let's that. just start. Over. <laughs> That's what I always try to tell people. It's like, you don't have to smoke cigars to appreciate it. Like, look at the whole process. Oh, my God. I'm a musician. Yeah. I don't love all classical music, but I had to learn it. Yeah. And I appreciate it. And... I don't, you know, there's still some of it that I cringe. I'm a jazz drummer. Yeah. Well, I don't love, like, modern jazz, squealing, open form, solo. I don't like it. Yeah. It sounds like an accident to me. Yeah. <laughs> but it sounds like, at least I have an educated ear when I hear it. So yeah. I can, I, I can kind of understand what they're doing. I still don't like it. Right. I don't listen to it. But I get it. And so I can appreciate what they do. Exactly. If just a few more people appreciated what yes. we did. Stop hating on it and trying to get rid of us. Yeah. Like, this is people's livelihoods. Yeah. And unfortunately, it is. Well, but it's people's livelihoods to get rid of us. Yeah. And that's what's so insane. Oh, God, you're insane. right. It's insane, yeah. But we're going to educate. Yeah. One podcast at a time. Exactly. One video at a time. One event at a time. One cigar at a time. And it's going to be great. Yeah. We're not going anywhere. We're not going anywhere. No. Well, actually, that's not true. I'm going to the Davidoff store. Yes. And I'm going to go visit them and thank them for their business. And then I'm going to go to Casa de Monte Cristo. And I'm going to thank them for their business. Then I'm going to go to Davidoff Medicine Avenue, thank them for their business. And then I'm coming back tomorrow. I'm going to 6th Avenue. I'm going to thank them for their business. It's a lot of thank yous. Oh, you're coming? Like, you're going back to Jersey today? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's a lot of driving. Nah. And traffic. It's a podcast. Yeah. And a cigar. <laughs> it's great. Perfect. Yeah. This was cool. awesome. I'm really yeah. glad we did it. Thank you so much. I hope this listeners follow Ferry Otego. Come and find us. Yes. Did I even introduce myself? I'm Michael. I think I forgot to do Welcome. that. Thank you. <laughs> um, I know. I like to just like jump into yeah, talking. But, yeah. But either look for Michael Herklotz or look for Ferry Otego and you'll find us and follow our story and catch up if you haven't heard it. And um, 
thank you for, uh, for all the support. Perfect. Grateful. Are you mostly on Instagram or Facebook or all of everywhere? Okay, and good. Less Twitter these days. Yeah, I feel no. like I've fallen I've off never of gotten into Twitter. But you're too young. I don't get it. I, I <laughs> was there when Twitter started, so uh, I wrote yeah. it, and but then it's, you know, I also had MySpace. And, <laughs> MySpace. I, had, and I had friends there before that, so we're really getting oh, in the weeds. MySpace. Um, cool. But yeah, Facebook, probably mostly Instagram. It's Ferry Otego and Michael Herklotz on everything except Twitter. It's Ferry Otego Cigars. Okay. But otherwise, Ferry Otego and Michael Herklotz, you can find it. Perfect. Yeah. Well, Thanks thank for doing you. this. This was great. Yes. Thank you, Michael. What an epic journey you've had. Such a great story. Thanks again for sharing with us, and thank you for holding the conversation when I got lost. (laughs) And all of my listeners, thank you for tuning in. I will talk to you soon.